buddy, you got, you have no idea how much time goes into this. You know, you didn't get to see my presentation. Keep improving the railroads. So the next time people come over, it's not the same plain old, like you haven't done anything. Yeah, but if you have the dirt, it's just the right color. What year are we in? Boy, the MSNL between first class and coach is a big difference. It is. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Crossing Gate, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division of the National Model Railroad Association. The topics and discussions are about the world's greatest hobby, model railroading. Here are your hosts, Thomas Gazier and Ken Zeska. This episode of The Crossing Gate is brought to you by the F1 function. Yes, the DCC bell ringing function. You all know and love that function. We hear you ringing the bell at every operating session. You ring it in the yard. You ring it in the engine terminal. You ring it in the caboose track. You ring it in places the prototype would never ring a bell. But you just assume they do. Don't forget to ring the bell throughout your entire YouTube video as well. There is nothing more enjoyable to a viewer than listening to that bell constantly ringing as you show off your sound decoder installation skills. As you show off your operations, as you show off your... Hey, Quasimodo, give it a rest. Sheesh. So remember to use that F1 function button and show off your skills. Ring that bell as if you were volunteering at a Salvation Army bucket at Christmas. The F1 function, a favorite of the Crossing Gate crew. I said knock it off. (sighs) I don't even get paid for this. I got to talk to these guys. And welcome to another episode of the Crossing Gate podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about lessons from the trash can. The experience is what you get when you didn't get what you want. We're going to learn from tossing your projects aside and maybe learn how to toss them aside to save you time and energy. And with me tonight is Dave Hamilton. Hello. And Luke Lemons. Hello. Larry Eggering. Hello. Mike Jordan. Hello. And Greg Dahl. Good evening. And we're going to start out our tales of woe with Luke here tonight. He's got a couple that he said he wanted to share with us on when it, when it's time to toss a project. One of the things that I had, uh, I had an intermountain flat car. I got off somebody else. They gave it to me because they didn't want to deal with it anymore. It was the old kit form with the wood deck. And they put the wood deck on with like Walther's goo and it just warped the plastic body. The thing never ran good. I tried my best to straighten it back out. I tried my best to put some weight in it. The thing just never tracked to save its life. I always had problems with it, and I just didn't want anybody else to have to deal with that thing. So uh, that one, one of my few things that I actually snapped in half, and it it got tossed just because I didn't want anybody else to have to deal with the thing. Make it so nobody else has to deal with it. Is that tossing yourself on the grenade then? You just Yeah, I pretty much I just... <laughs> It was, I think I got it for free, and that was probably a reason I got it for free. And I, I just couldn't save it. It was one of those things that just nobody else should have to deal with it. So it's time to time to get rid of it. So yeah, and I think part of the problem we have is one man's trash is another man's treasure. And Greg and I and the rest of the guys, we go to the flea markets and we see these things tossed aside, and it's not it's tough now to go. Do I want that? Or do I not want it? And Greg, have you ever decided I, that? <laughs> or Luke? I'm, I'm a sucker for those projects too. Oh. Like, well, 
lost puppy dog projects that just look at you like, I need a home. I think you could work on these. I could fix that. Yeah. Yeah. I could fix that. Don't do that. Advice from the crossing gate. Don't do that. (laughs) So, so Greg, I'll go to you next. I think I've had a couple of those uh, Eel River beer cars and they they come both assembled and unassembled. And of course uh, there's a few that I've assembled and it probably was, I had them all on the layout. I was operating with them. Everything was fine, of course, until somebody else came over. Right, it worked fine for me. Somebody else came over, and there were like two of them that we that would either uncouple and derail all the time. Could never figure out why these ones. I didn't use the trash can. I, I used the flea market um, and, said, and said, "You know what? I've got plenty of these things. This this thing now, someone else's problem." You um, sold it to Luke. I, I I did. I turned it into a flat carton. No. no. Uh, yeah. So buyer beware if you're at the flea market. <laughs> There's a reason why this guy's probably getting rid of something. And with me, I, I guess I have no scruples. I'll, 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 unlike Luke, I'll pawn it off on the next guy. <laughs> the worst thing is, is if I buy it back like 10 years later thinking, hey, this looks great. I should get this only to realize it's probably mine. Is the flea market the trash can then for some of us? It might be. It might be. So, uh, Mr. Jordan, what it, what do you get out of the flea market or what have you brought to the, the, the seller's trash bin there? I purchased a uh, locomotive for the shell because I had painted a locomotive. It turned out just wrong. So I bought this locomotive thinking I could swap shells, but it was an old Atlas S4. It was DC, but it ran really well. And I was just terrified of just ripping the shell off. So I put the coater in it and the thing never ran well. And I just, I must have put a hundred hours into it. And finally, uh, I had enough hours into it that to uh, sacrifice the shell became uh, a treasure. (laughs) (laughs) But it took a long time to to finally get to that point where I, I just had to give it up. Gallagher, I think he said it best, it takes seven years to make trash. So I was able to accelerate that to about seven months. Well, that, that's good because I think like, like Greg said, you, you saved energy from that. And Dave, do you have anything that you finally given up on when, when enough is enough? I think I created one today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I had I bought one of these new Rapido SW1200s to use in the, the town of Winona on my railroad. And I noticed that it, it just isn't happy with a few of the older turnouts that have dead frogs on them. I said, well, that's easy to fix. So I took this Shinohara right-hand turnout. And I spent an hour rebuilding it this morning. And I don't know if some of you guys maybe have done that where you separate the points and you isolate the frog and you put jumper wires on it and then you put a PC throw bar between the points and blah, 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 blah. And I do use silver solder when I put it back together, but the points are kind of not moving as smooth as they should have. So I worked on that with some, I think this like paper, like a sandpaper material and getting it underneath the points and trying to make some more clearance. And I finally got it kind of working and I reinstalled it. And I use these blue point switch machines. So the wire that went up through the, you know, through the roadbed just didn't have enough strength in it to flick the points back and forth. So I thought, no big deal. So I put in a heavier piece of wire, like piano wire, and it still didn't work. I thought, now what am I going to do? And then it dawned on me right on the bench next to where I was working. I had a, a brand new Walther's 
turnout that I just picked up from the hobby shop that was the exact size that would replace the shin of hair thing that I had already by that time had about two hours work invested in it. And I thought, why did I do this in the first place? I have one sitting right next to me and I picked it up and replaced it, which took about seven minutes to reinstall after blowing two hours on this Lambert Shinohara rebuilt that went no place. And it was an old used turnout that I started with this, you know, the Shinohara one. So now I'm faced with, you know, should I try to fix it anyway and and maybe take it to a flea market and advertise it as a rebuilt Shinohara number four or whatever turnout it is? Or should I just accidentally knock it into the wastebasket? It looks so nice with the jumper wires on it and the, the re, you know, the, the frog being isolated and everything. And that was today. So that that's like fresh in the wastebasket type of thing. So I don't know. I think that Anybody need so, a number four? Yeah, I was going to say, did everybody take notes not to buy used switches from Dave? Did you guys write that down? So <laughs> There you <laughs> the go. Trash bin. And Larry, we'll go to you. What, what lessons do you have from the trash bin for us? Oh, that list is long. <laughs> uh, the most recent one is I got into HO 25 years ago. And I, I went to a, I was an N-scale guy. I went to a train show and bought an AHM New York Central GP7 or 9, whichever they wanted to call it. It was the kind that had engineer side on the rear picked up power and the conductor side in the front picked up power. So every time you went over a dead frog, it died, you know, and uh, I had that thing forever. And I, I worked on the motor. I added extra power pickups. I did all this and I probably had 30 hours in it because it was the first engine I bought. And my buddy comes over and says, you've got three beautiful Atlas GP7s there. What are you doing? And I said, yeah, you have a point. (laughs) So I ripped the can motor out of it salvaged a couple of pieces like the horns that you know I could put on something that was stuck in the corner and I trashed the shell and made it look like a piece of junk out in the field you know <laughs> so that was one the biggest one for me was was Arduino and it was uh, a fellow came up with a analog detection circuit that worked with varying levels of light it's Jeff Bunsen great circuit but it was analog and I thought, well, it certainly could be better. And some guy says, yeah, you know, we got involved in this forum. He said, you know, we can do a comparison with, with a couple of sensors on Arduino. And then, you know, as the light changes on one, it'll make it more sensitive. That sounded like a really good theory. It wasn't. So you have to stop. Now take, draw a mental picture. You have the Arduino. So you have to solder four resistors to inputs to ground. Then you have to put those wires to the sensors for this is for two blocks. And then you have to run a positive. So all of a sudden, what started out as something easy had a life of its own. Hours and hours and hours. If I tweak the code this way, does it get better? You know, on and on and on. I was on Amazon and I just happened to see Arduino sensors. You know, apparently Google was listening to me talk on my phone. All of a sudden, there's these perfect little sensor boards that cost a dollar, one dollar. It would literally take me an hour to put this thing together, and it worked. It worked. But I got these boards for a dollar that work perfectly every time. I mean, you can, they just work great. 
guess what I did today? You bought porch I for a ripped all those components <laughs> off of 10 of those things that I built. And I put the Arduinos back in stock and everything else went in the can. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But you learn from that. And so I want to go off something you said, and I'm going to go to you, Greg, because I, I want to talk about your learning to toss it aside when that becomes relevant. And Larry brought up that sometimes it takes a friend to say, this has got to go. You know, I've operated your layout 10 times. This engine always junk. This car derails. That switch goes. What do you think triggers something in your own brain to take your own medicine? You know, now that we've all been to the crossing gate confessional now to learn to toss it aside and save yourself money and energy and all of that. Well, I think that's the whole key. I mean, throwing something in the trash isn't the hard part. The hard part is knowing when to throw it in the trash. The common thread on, all, on almost all of these was I start on this. I keep working on it. Now I've got an hour invested. Well, now I've got two hours invested. Two hours. If I just spend another 15 minutes. <laughs> You know, I'm sure it'll be working just right. I I just, it needs one more jumper wire, right? I I don't have an, I don't have a good answer for, because yeah, you're right. It might, you know, in one more, you know, one more jumper wire, this might all work and everything will be perfect, but it might be another 10 hours or might never work. I I wish I knew. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I maybe, and then also maybe it's an age thing or how long you've been in the hobby too. Going back to Dave, now Dave's been in a hobby a long, long time, but you were, you're just a badger at that switch. So what was your final point of no return on giving up on that Shinohara switch, Dave? It was getting dark outside and I wasn't making any progress. And I figured that, <laughs> you know, and, and then I realized that I just, I had just bought these new ones and I, I think I was saving them for some future project. And I thought, what am I doing? It's sitting right here. I could have done this hours ago and moved on to something else you know I, I think i just went i just got into this must do mode and then all of a sudden it was it was getting dark and when the lights went on it just dawned on me that i have totally wasted half the day here trying to get this thing to work quite frankly i've rebuilt a lot of these shinahara turnouts and i've had a couple times where the the points wouldn't flip back and forth they've always worked fine electrically you know and i it's been an easy fix to get them to move this one wasn't, but I kept working at it because I think I didn't want to be defeated, you know, and then I just thought I'm getting older and this thing isn't getting done. So let's just, I'll put in this new one. I'll sacrifice it. I did buy it to use it. I might as well use it here. I could have had a much nicer day today if I would have done that first thing in the morning, you know. So, so if it wasn't daylight savings time, you would add another hour to go at it, right? That would... well, that's a whole nother discussion, <laughs> isn't it? I think so. so. I think so. Luke, yep. have you ever had anybody operator come over and say something of yours has got to go or take it to the bench or anything? Not too bad. Just same with that flat. It just kept getting bad ordered. And it kept showing back up in the shops. It's like something's wrong with that. I, I changed the trucks on it, tried a few other things, tried to pack as much weight under it as I could and it just being a troublesome troublesome issue so I thought well something's got to go with it so yeah same with like my power I have my power right up and if, if people don't fill out their little trip report saying the power doesn't run good let me know it doesn't run good so I can deal with these things and so nobody else has to deal with it same with not having anybody else to have to deal with the stuff so I think a lot of like the, the defeat thing you don't you don't want to get defeated by a simple switch I think that's a lot of the <laughs> The ego thing of you know I'm I'm not gonna let a I'm not gonna let a little switch defeat me and I think that's a lot of the thing is at what point do you not want to get defeated with it 
Yeah. Well, there's a fun factor that can be had too. I had a turnout on my layout that just gave me trouble and it was on the main line. I kept telling the guys, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this out and redesign it and make it work right. Because it it went from a, a vertical transition down and the turnout was at an odd angle. So intermittently cars would derail. I knew how to fix it. I was lazy. So my buddy is over here, same friend, actually. And he says to me, you know, one day you're going to do this turnout instead of talk about it. So I turned around and I said, you're right. And I reached behind me and grabbed a claw hammer and reached (laughs) over and ripped the thing out because I was going to have to just rip it out anyway where it was. So I literally ripped the bridge, the turnout, everything out. And his eyes got the size of saucers. He thought I was all irritated. I was like, I said, that look was worth it. So when does it become, you know, you got to throw it in the bin. Model railroading is fun. That popped up a few times on a operation. <laughs> with. Since yeah. I had to switch buried in the middle of like hidden staging at the bottom of a helix. And it gave me grief and grief and everything was derailed. And it's like, this is supposed to be a fun hobby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It works so was me. it the suck factor? Is that it? You yeah. Know? Just, <laughs> when the suck factor gets to level yeah. nine, you know, we've got to do something. <laughs> but that is, I think, I think we don't want to be defeated by our miniature world and things. So, Mr. Jordan, have you ever suffered the agony of defeat or have you overcome it and beat up your issues of, of trains and track and things? Yeah, uh, we, we want to know if, has anyone told you? That you should change something, or, or where was your frustration level when you finally decided <laughs> the trash bin uh, or flea market was best? Yeah. Well, I, I had an Athern Blue Box uh, Jeep 97. It ran really nice, but if I reversed the engine and went through turnouts in reverse, one truck would always come off. Like Dave, I just was not going to let this thing defeat me. And, uh, I think after six months, my uh, part box got larger. Uh, so it it got disassembled and I used gearings and wheels and different parts of the shell uh, to fill my uh, parts box. And the frame and other pieces just went in the trash because I didn't want to have the temptation that I might want to reassemble it at some point. You could come uh, back to life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, most times when things don't work well, I put them in a blue storage bin, put them underneath my layout, and hopefully in six or seven months when I take the lid off, the uh, railroad uh, smurfs have come in and repaired it for me, but that doesn't seem to work either. (laughs) No, you have to invite them over. So let's switch it around because a lot of experience, uh, you know, on this podcast. Have you ever been a mentor to someone and gone to their layout and looked at their models and told them that this has got to go? You know, I've been operating this. We've seen this, that switch. I have a better idea. If, if you'll just get rid of that engine or that car, we can replace it with something better. Have any of you ever been that person to been that friend? I mean, you have to be a good friend to kind of tell them it, but. I don't know. <laughs> I've I've been dubbed idea boy. I've had a few layout changes for like people staging or how the layout design 
And one guy says, I, I don't want you to come over anymore because every single time I work on my layout, <laughs> it's 10, 10 steps back before I can make three steps forwards again, because then you come over again and come up with another good idea. And it's like, sorry, but it, I thought it was a good idea. You're costing me money. More trip. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody uh, else? Luckily, I, I've been the recipient of many, many, many suggestions. <laughs> Why is that, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, from experience, the, the biggest problem is when people give me con, uh, constructive uh, criticism, it's true. And it has really helped develop the operation level that I do have on my railroad. So, I appreciate uh, the input from other people. I've given advice to a gentleman about he had a computer switch list program that for about five years, just one more change and it would work perfectly. <laughs> Finally got him to go to car cards and waybills. One more change, then, then it'll be yeah. fine. Just one more. Yeah. I mean, I like what Luke said is a lot of us. We'll take the constructive. Tell me that an engine is 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 going bad. Do, do you feel like you have to hold back sometimes? I know we all have a certain friend when he comes to operate, leaves post-it notes around for you to find after he's gone. You know, I'm like, what is this? The anonymous? It's a I call it a drive-by. You know, abuse. It's like, oh, that didn't work. Where who did this? You know, and they're gone. So, I mean, how do you guys feel about you know taking or and or giving advice after a session? Now, I've done it before and told, you know, there's a couple of the guys that you keep having trouble on, on a yard lead or something like that, or with his system drop in the signals. So there's, I certainly don't hesitate to mention it, you know, but I always blame it on me. You know, it's like, well, I keep losing this thing. I must be hitting one of these other buttons. Any chance of you checking it out, you know, so you can kind of pretend it's your fault when you know it's his fault. And another one of the guys wanted to start doing some scenery work. And I was over at his place and I, we were going over different techniques. And I said, but let's be serious before you start ballasting the track and doing this and doing that, we really got to get this thing to be bulletproof. So how about dropping in some more track eaters? And, you know, why don't you think about, you know, you got a straight edge or something? Cause I know there's a dip over here and I wasn't pointing at me when I said that. So, you know, you so, the, so there's been you? a couple times. No, it was, you know, <laughs> I try to be humble about it, but, and say, it'll sure look nice when you try doing it, but you got to do this first. And I, I don't think you, if you don't, if you storm out and bang on things, that's one thing. But if you, if you say you got, should try doing it this way and, and actually tell them what they should do, at least what you think they should do, at least you're, you know, that's being friendly, constructive, I think, instead of being hostile, constructive. So yeah, there's been more than once where I've I've done stuff because I've had my share of post-it notes stuck on the railroad too here. So, you know, I figure that we keep in balance that way. But I th I know that right? the, the people on this group, you know, Dave and everybody, pe a lot of modelers in in our communities, Larry, even in Florida, look up to us. And if we do say something about issue A or issue B, I, I know how everybody speaks is that they won't take it offensive, but they're like, oh, okay. If he's finding this out, I should I should really fix it. So, Greg, have you ever done that, or you know, been on the recipient of that? The couple of points I wanted to make was, uh, as a layout owner, I'm kind of like Luke, where 
you know, I tell people, hey, I, I need to know that this is not working. So the next guy doesn't have the same problem, right? I, I can't fix something if I don't know anything about it. And I don't want people to come over and be frustrated for two, three hours. And I've actually found it's actually sometimes hard to get people to do that because I don't know if they're afraid to criticize or if, you know, they don't like criticism, so they don't want to hand it out. That's, that's but, what I've know. found too, like the power. I mean, if it runs like poo, let me know it runs like poo because I, I don't get a chance to run a lot of my engines. It's the fleet of people that are out there running it. Let me know what's bad so I can see these issues. Yeah, right. The The other point I, I make too is when I do go to somebody's layout and, and I would I would say almost every layout I, owner I know wants constructive feedback, right? But what I try to do is I try to live... You know, here's three or four things. Here's the three, four or four most important things. There's nothing more defeating, as we talked about earlier, to, to host an operation session and have like seven pages of things you got. <laughs> oh, you know. so, so that's bad? Wait, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. It's, it's but, not my money. So here's all these suggestions. I think yeah. of what you should buy. Yeah. That's what I find yeah. a lot. You know, yeah. You, know, you just spend thousands of dollars for me. Yes, they're good ideas, but, but I mean, yeah. I got a railroad to budget. I mean, there's <laughs> there's lots of little things that need to get bought too. Some yeah, I agree. You know, I, I always tell people to let me know also the next day in an email. So it's not the heat of the moment. No, I agree, Greg. I think that's the thing where we all want to know. And I think it's important to find, to let them know in the beginning of a session to like, I'm looking for feedback. I want you to have a good time. So Larry, does that something that resonates with you or? Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I tell everybody, if you come over and you tell me I've got a track work problem, you just got a job, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, it's constructive and it, you know, it's me helping them have a good time. Now, you know, the guy that won't do track work. So you don't say that to him, but you know, the guy that, you hand him a box of turnouts and he's like, I got this, you know, and you can just let him go, you know. But even tonight, earlier, I was at the club and one of the guys who I really look up to in the club said to me, he said, we have a problem. He said, somebody put these turnouts together and we haven't caught it until now, but the turnout is not in the joiner. The track, the track section is not in the joiner, it's on top of it. Well, there's three turnouts put together. It's going to be an hour and a half to tear all out and replace it. He said, do you have a way to fix that? And I said, yeah. And I pulled out the magic saw, went down the curve and just cut it. And it fell into place, stuck some solder on it, and we're done. And he said, that's amazing. He said, I was going to take a Dremel tool to it, you know? And I said, yeah. And then you got an eighth of an inch curve. I said, use a good tool. And he was like, yeah. He said, I, I, he's going to buy one of the saws. And I forget the name. They're the, the Polish ones, right? Isn't that, aren't they made in Poland? That one you recommended to me, Tom? Yeah, those uh, um, Ekans or whatever saws. We do. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. We talked about them on the tool podcast. That's so. perfect for between the rails and things like that. Yeah. And it just, it literally just fell down and just a little drop of solder in there. And it'll be as if there was a joiner because the joiner really just gives you alignment. So it's neat to be able to do that, you know, and, and at the club, I don't want to be the expert. You know, I don't want to be the guy that runs around pontificating, oh, you need to do this. You know, I, that's not me. And I don't want to be that way in my house. But if you're coming over and you're running trains and there's something frustrating you, like Luke said. I can't fix it if I don't know it's broken. In fact, if I don't know about it, it isn't broken. That's how it works. All the extra bin stuff comes out of those conversations, the stuff that needs to go into the bin. And I think what I try and do, and let me know if you guys say this too, is 
when I've gone to people's layouts and looked at or looked at their projects and hinted that, you know, this should go to the trash bin or you're wasting time or something, you know, like especially with turnouts or, you know, I want to put a curved turnout here in Magnet. I always say, well, don't do that, do this. And if they look at me like I'm some expert, I always say, ask me how I know, you know, yep, <laughs> and that's, that's that. like the ultimate phrase of, you're, you know, ask me how I know. Don't put your soldering iron near your plastic or dock. Ask me how I know. <laughs> and <laughs> so as then you guys had one of those ask me how I know moments that uh, we'll go to you, Mike. I think just laying the track, not paying attention to how they uh, move through a curve. If you don't get that curve smooth and your eyeball doesn't go down to the track to look at it, that was my biggest defeat, I think, when I first started was just getting that track laid out smooth. When people ask me to come over and look at their layout as they're building it, that's my go-to little story of spend that extra 10 minutes getting that track laid out. Because like you've said, you know, going to an acquaintance house and he wants to start doing uh, his scenery and you know for uh, in your heart that that track is not laid out right it's just going to make him miserable for the rest of his modeling career like dave said get, get your curves right before scenery ask me how i know so it's yeah. just exactly and that's <laughs> you and want that's, a 90 minute dissertation i'll be happy to <laughs> no, give it to you no. but i'm sure there's a lot of these things and and dave yeah, have you I've, ever done that when you go give advice you and so you just say don't do this you know all, all the years you've been modeling ask me how i know is that that's happened when i've seen some some other decoder installations that people have done, you know, and people seem to have a reluctance to trim some of the wires down to make it a little easier to stuff everything under the <laughs> the hood, whether it's an Athern hood or a better hood. I always think back to the one decoder that I ever smoked because I, you know, I had a wire that was, I can't even remember how I did it. You know, I hadn't cut it down and I, it touched something when I was moving something else, you know, and it was, it really impressed me how quickly it, it like smoked, you know, I mean, and I did get it repaired for $25 by soundtrack. So it wasn't a big deal, but you know, just because I would gotten a little sloppy with the wiring. So now whenever I see any of the other guys doing their own decoder stuff, I kind of, I share my knowledge and tell them to shorten those wires up a little bit and, you know, cut those bare ends off while you're doing what you're doing. Cause you just never know when one of them's going to touch something that you don't want it to touch while you're testing it yeah right ask me how i know the wire maintenance thing only- like back to mike's uh atlas switch engine i had one put a decoder in for my son and the motor is mounted they had that die cast frame to it and it uses the frame i thought well i'll just isolate through the trucks and i'll use it shouldn't be an issue that the motor touches the frame and it's not touching anything else i roasted three decoders on that thing <laughs> one one evening i roasted three of them right in a row bulldog i'm wheels. going back in here we go yeah i'm going back in. <laughs> i got wheels. this i got this it's only 120 buck decoder we're going back it's just yep touch the metal <laughs> chassis and it grounds the thing out yep put another one in and go what everything should work it's all semi-isolated runner <laughs> down the track little turn <laughs> Well, comes blowing out of it again. No nope. word there is semi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I got a whole bag full of decoders I roasted. Yeah, I'm, at least I was using nothing fancy sound. I haven't blown a sound decoder yet. My biggest thing, as long as you can learn from them, all these frustration things, you learn from it and be a better modeler after it. I, I don't claim to be a good modeler. I've learned how to limit my mistakes. And I guess that's yeah. the biggest thing. No, that's, that's the catchphrase right there. And I know I think all of us should have a board on their layout, like a like a nice wooden plaque you get a trophy store and a metal, and have a fried decoder on there. And then we can all have our own have our own saying on make sure the motor is grounded. Ask me how I know. You know, make sure yeah. the motor is isolated. Ask me how I, I got know. a whole bag full of decoders I've been stocking up of things that have just completely melted. Yeah. yeah. I'll put those on the yeah. wall with sayings. Yeah, on there. that that's what I got. I got right above the workbench. Yeah. My <laughs> favorite line. I throw well, that one in there. My that favorite go line with... was from my favorite boss. He <laughs> said, Larry, it's not the fact that you screw up, it's how well you recover. <laughs> yeah, that's the good thing. What See, was that, and I can I can put all those deco decoders next to my participation trophies that I got <laughs> over the years. <laughs> but I, I think too part of this is you know, it goes in the trash bin, you made a mistake. It's if you just keep making this, you know, if you just keep not making your curves, you know, you know, correct, you're not eyeballing them, you're not doing this correctly, you're not wiring correctly, you know, you know, I know, like, Luca, I've been the bulldog, too. And I'm like, I'm gonna get this thing to work. Give me one more decoder. But yeah, I think, but we learned from it when Luke has the bag of shame in there. You know, I don't know if I yep. in there, but it's <laughs> the bag the of shame. Same with like airbrushing and painting. I noticed with like taping. It's like I think I'm good at airbrushing. I've really learned how to limit my mistakes with taping. I still get issues, but I don't have as many issues anymore. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't claim to be good at it by any means, but I guess as long as you can learn from it each time, you lessen that, That's why I went to the, I went to the school of heavy weathering. <laughs> You mean the one where you put your thumb on the box car and the paint just runs off because you had super glue on your fingers? You mean that, that one? I know a guy. <laughs> it is it is impressive on like Dave was talking on how long it takes you to install a decoder versus how quick it can puff out that smoke. You know, I think it's an inverse just inverse. Like that. Just like that. And, you know, you're in there two hours and you're putting a decoder buddy and you're isolating this. and then, oh. the, the light functions, too. I've learned the, the light, the light wire functions. I tape them all and I separate them all. And so they're all isolated. And I tape them up while I'm trying to test drive the motor on end of it. Because I've done that. You have one little wire hanging out. It touches the rail as you pick it back up. And there goes that light function. Yep. Yep. And they're for sure. I think some of us are forced to what we choose. You learn to get better. And Luke and I all know this for painting white and yellow engines. We're just suckers. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to model the Norfolk Southern next or pencil. Oh, yeah. So does something anyone else got to ask me, ask me how I know story or something to pass on there, Greg or Larry? Or I've got a list. A list, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. The great thing is, if you get a passion for the hobby, hang around people that are better at it than you are, because they've gotten there with the ask me how I know. And I think most of us are in, not in the top tier, but we're we're above average. And so it's our turn to give back to some of the guys that are new to the hobby. And we got to teach them when it's good enough to throw it away. That $5 AHM engine that I put probably 15 hours in needed to go. 
You know, it really needed to go. It it was never going to be a runner, you know, regularly. And it was purely me keeping it out of some sentimental nonsense. Flea market, I think flea market tables, Greg and I always meander through together with Dan. And I know we see Mike and Dave there, but I just see these flea market tables. These guys are trying to sell the AHM and the early I'm like, let it go. You know, if mm-hmm. quit dragging bucks, it to these shows, quit dragging it to these shows. There's a bin out. There's a blue tub outside. You know, that's, that's recycling or something on it. But all right, here's your DC controller. Set it on 17 <laughs> volts, and it'll go around your buddy. Yeah, it will. <laughs> That'll make it go. Anyone got any final final things to say about the trash bin? Is your trash bin getting smaller, less filled? No. Uh, well, the one thing I need to learn is. You know, as you scratch build, you always end up with these little pieces of polystyrene. I have two gallon bags of little pieces of polystyrene. So guess what I'm going to do? Y'all got me motivated. They're going in the bin. You know, I've got sheets of polystyrene. I don't need a one inch square. I really don't. You just might. You never know. I I heard the term one time for someone's parts drawer, bits of string too small to save. That was (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because yeah. no, I've got I've got the plastic bin and it says scraps on it and it's all the styrene from every project. And I'm like, why do I have this? You know, other than putting paint on for a palette or something. So did any of you guys see this? Like I think it was on Facebook where somebody took a plastic sprue, parts sprue, and he he saw a fire hydrant in it by clip, 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 and he came up with a fire hydrant, you know, using the sprue, which makes sense. There's a vertical component and some horizontal pieces. So you just clip it just right and you come up with a fire hydrant. So he's probably got like 15,000 fire hydrants now that are created <laughs> by going yeah. by going through that. But it's, it's kind of an interesting idea, which has nothing to do with the rest of this conversation, but I thought I would mention it. But no, I, I, I think no, I, I see that night and, and that fire hydrant would look like it's carved out of a stick of butter when you can buy a bag of 15 cast metal fire hydrants, you know, for $5. That's There you go. <laughs> that's my, yep. Put the sprues no, in. And I get it. Sometimes you want the project and it's like, oh, if I just carve it and do all that, if that's what makes you happy in the hobby, yeah. go for it. But like Tom said, you buy a bag of 15, you know. Cat, well, how about 3D printed ones from actual yeah. scale drawings now, you know, yeah. you know, for what, 60 cents a piece or something, you know. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Good chat. We filled up our bins. This will be right out before Christmas. So everybody can toss their bins out and then go buy new toys. So, all right, everyone say good night and we'll wrap this one up. Good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Good evening. Good night, John boy. <laughs> There's always one. listening to The Crossing Game, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division. You can find us on Facebook in our group, the Twin Cities Division of the NMRA. You can email us at tcdnmra at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe for future podcasts.